This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 536 of the Stable Scoop Show. On this episode, I am joined by Devin Horn, and we meet the winners of the Mongol Derby. Our sponsor of this episode is Kemen Equine. We have a special treat for you. In part one, we are going to share with you a dramatic reading that Jamie Jennings, my co-host of Horses in the Morning, and I did describing the end of the Mongol Derby. And then Devin and I will bring you the winners. As most of you know, if you're listening to this, the Mongol Derby is the longest horse race in the world across the steppes of Mongolia. And a few days ago, we had one of the most exciting finishes in the history of the Mongol Derby. Take a listen to what happened at the end of the race. Once upon a time, a few days ago, in a world far away, on the other side of the world, the mystical steps of Mongolia. Once upon a time, there was held the longest horse race in the world, the Mongol Derby. And for eight days, dozens of competitors rode semi-feral, tough ponies of Mongolia over a thousand kilometers. And the long race, who knew it would be such a nail-biter to the bitter end? You see, there were two guys that led the race for almost seven days. Their names were Chris Walker from the United Kingdom, a fox hunter and a polo player, and Patrick Heffron from Ireland, a lifelong rider. Chris and Patrick became inseparable in the lead for days and days they rode. And they changed ponies and rode some more. But they knew only one horse stationed behind them were three Incredibly tough women. Deirdre Griffith of Wyoming, an experienced packing guide. Tiffany Atterbury, a veterinarian, fox hunter, and race breeder from Ocala, Florida. And finally, Wilhelmine Jost, a rider from South Africa. One thing before you hear the story of the dramatic end to this race, you have to understand the horse stations. There were 28 horse stations before the finish line of this year's race. And for all 1,000 kilometers, the riders changed horses every 40 kilometers. And when they come to a horse station, the horse has to vet out and the heart rate has to drop and they have to be healthy, just like any other endurance race. If they don't, the rider has to take a two-hour penalty that they can use any time before the end of the race. And you will learn just how important these penalties are. On the final day, Patrick was facing a dilemma. When to sit out his two-hour vet penalty incurred at Horse Station 20. The latest point which he could use it was Horse Station 27. He decided to use it later. Patrick and Chris rolled out on the final day at 7 a.m. sharp from Horse Station 25. The ladies rode into Horse Station 25 just after they left. Would their horses cool down without penalty? It all depended on this. Wilhelmine sprinted across the horse station to fill up on water while Deirdre was tacking up, sharing responsibilities to get out of there as efficiently as possible. There was no doubt about it. The ladies were riding for the win. All the horses passed and they rode out swiftly to catch the boys. While the ladies ate up the step just ahead of them, the boys had almost reached horse station 27. Would Chris sacrifice his chances of the win and wait for Patrick to take his two-hour penalty or ride on without him to stay ahead of the chasing pack? Well, 
It didn't matter. His decision was taken out of his hands. He rode into Horse Station 27, and under the unbearable pressure of his dogged pursuers, the vets at Station 27 gave him a two-hour vet penalty after the horse's heart rate failed to drop below 56 beats per minute within a half an hour's arrival at the station. It was disaster for the boys. Surely this was the end of their dash for the finish line. How could they possibly make up two hours on the tree that was gaining behind them. Well, just 40 minutes later, the trio of ladies had flown in this number 27 and vetted cleanly. They had done it. They had finally, after days of nonstop chasing, taken the lead. Sadly, this was a parting of the ways for the threesome because Tiffany still had a two-hour vet penalty hanging over her from the day before. And so she had to wait behind with Patrick and Chris, watching sadly as her friends she had ridden with for days wasted no time in selecting their horses and scrambling to make the most out of every minute of the penalty time. And the boys... Watched him ride off. Oh, yeah. They rode out in the knowledge that they had only one more horse station between them and the finish line. And would they keep their cool and make it home unchallenged? Or would some freak tragedy befall them between here and eternal glory? Well, they made good progress to 28, moving at a steady pace, ensuring their horses can handle it. But Patrick and Quick Chris acquired some equines apparently crossed with Ferraris, making astonishing time between 27 and 28. The gap between the dots narrowed, and the leading ladies were still keeping to their steadier pace into 28, knowing of that penalty now would almost certainly be the fatal error in their attempt to make it to the finish line first. Um, by 28, the ladies still had the lead. The boys were making up ground at a terrifying rate, anxiously glancing back in the direction they'd come, dreading the sight of appearing dots on the horizon. The ladies were wasting no time. After a slightly tense moment for Wilhelmine vet checking out, she was cleared and leaped onto her new steed. Her next mount was dancing in circles, chomping at the bit while Deirdre hastened to assist the herders in tacking up her final steed. Successfully mounted up for the final time in the entire derby for a heart-stopping moment, they galloped in the wrong direction, prompting gasps of horror from the watching crew. But swiftly, they corrected their error and disappeared into the blazing sun, now locked onto the correct coordinates. The brakes were off for this last leg, knowing they will have a full 60 minutes for their horses' heart rates to drop down to 56 beats per minute at the finish line check. They hit the gas, let their mounts fly, clocking in at speeds of 27 kilometers per hour, with 90 minutes of riding time left to reach the finish line without a late riding penalty. Right behind them, Patrick and Chris both vetted through 28 in 10 minutes, allowing them to wrangle their new mounts and hoof it out of 28 on the final stretch to the last line, just 50 minutes behind the ladies. At 1858 Mongolian time, the news was confirmed. Deirdre Griffith of Wyoming and Wilhelmine Joost from South Africa, or Joost from South Africa, crossed the finish line of the July 2022 Mongol Derby in first place, holding hands, raised triumphantly and beaming from ear to ear. It's an awesome picture. But it wasn't over yet. With the vet check still to clear, the boys appeared on the horizon. With the boys hurtling toward the line, after a final few minutes of waiting, the results were confirmed. 
They had cleared the final vet check and were declared the victors of the July 2022 Mongol Derby, incurring zero vet penalties in the process for the entire race. The two ladies had no vet penalties. And that is the story of the Mongol Derby in 2022 in the ultimate battle of the sexes with the ladies winning the longest horse race in the world. But the men will mount a comeback in a few weeks as the COVID makeup races run and we do it all again with a new group of hopeful riders. Fallen section offense can certainly throw a wrench in your day. Aside from the headache and repair bill, it might also allow your horses to get out and other creatures to get in. Offense is not unlike the intestinal barrier in this way. It needs to be strong and functional to keep the good bugs in and the bad bugs out. But what happens when you have a down section offense or loosened tight junctions in the gut lining? Holes or leaks in your horse's intestinal barrier, known as leaky gut syndrome, can result in various health and welfare problems. It's not a small problem. Gut issues are the number one cause of premature death in horses. But there's something you can do about it. Good nutrition and attention to gut health can help promote immunity, performance, healthy weight, nutrient absorption, and a positive attitude. For optimal health, ensure your feed includes Clostat, Butapearl, ZEQ, and Chemtrace Chromium from Kemen Equine. Learn more at Kemen.com slash leaky gut. That's Kemen, K-E-M-I-N dot com slash leaky gut. Uh, we are doing something a little different tonight, although I think it's our eighth year that we've spoken to the winners of the Mongol Derby, and I'm so excited to have my friend. She's a 100-mile ultra runner, a black belt in some kind of thing, an ultra-long-distance endurance rider, a Mongol Derby veteran, many times over. Hi, Devin. How are you? Hey, Glenn. I'm great. How are you? Good. And of course, Devin and I were here, what, a week ago? It seems longer than that, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a long time to go without sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so we were here about a week ago talking about the Mongol Derby as we do every year. And we're so excited this year again to be, to be bringing you the winners on what was a very exciting finish this year. Yeah, that's that's where the lack of sleep cuts in. Uh, it's usually really exciting to go ahead and watch the dots on the map, but this year it was particularly dramatic uh, the last day, and I can't wait to interview the winners. Well, we're going to do that right now. We have Vilamine, who's in South Africa. Hello there. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. It's an honor to be here. So tell us what you do in South Africa before we get into the race. What, what's your background? Uh, so I live in a, on a farm in the kind of in the middle of South Africa. It's a dryish area. So we farm with sheep and goats. And we also do, my husband's a vet, so he does uh, sheep and goat reproduction work uh, in the area. And do you have horses? I do. I do. <laughs> what, what do you have horses-wise? And do you ride all the time? Is that... Uh... Uh, I, the last, uh, say since 2020, uh, I've started riding quite, quite a lot before that. Not so much. I had children and we have a business and, uh, so that kept me quite busy, but uh, yeah, since 2020, um, basically really got into it. So I did a bit of endurance riding and got some nice horses that can do long distances from, yeah, from a, from a sort of a neighbor. So, and Devin, didn't she do your uh, virtual 
Yeah, yeah. When we were putting together <laughs> our virtual challenge, uh, which we did over COVID, which was a virtual thousand kilometer race, uh, Villamine did both years with us. So we had just sort of known each other from from that challenge. And she actually won uh, last year when we were putting it on for individual <laughs> She's a two-time oh, winner. Oh, <laughs> and also, I'm hoping you're going to do it again this year. It's quite good to take your mind off the normal mundane routine of life. So don't stop. She didn't so, have enough doing it for real. She wants to do it more. There, Devin. I was about to say it doesn't seem like you're sick of writing yet, so that's a great. <laughs> I'll give it another month's rest, and then I think I'll be fine. Then okay, I'll so you don't want to start to tomorrow? No, 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 no. Maybe, yeah. September, October will be good. <laughs> so is this something you've always wanted to do, the Mongol Derby? Was it always a dream? or Not really. I only saw it for the first time in 2019. There was a South African rider taking part, uh, Visman Nell. And so it was quite big on social media here. And I picked up on it. And I've always liked horses anyway. We grew up with them. So I started following it. And then on a whim, entered at the... I think 2019, November, December, I applied. And then obviously they didn't have enough space or people, so they, they had a space for me. Uh, and then basically the whole thing started. Well, we're going to meet the person that you rode to the finish line with because we had dual winners this year. And that's that picture right there, by the way. That was the, the winning picture. And we have Deidre, who I think is in Wyoming right now, right? I am. Yeah. Hi. So, a beautiful setting. I like your setting. Oh, <laughs> My backyard. <laughs> so, what's your story? Where, where, what do you do for a living first? Let's start there. Um, I'm a real estate agent now, um, which began when I, I had kids. Before that, we worked on ranches and pack outfits. Yeah, you, were, you, you packed into the, to the serious mountains up there. Yeah, we did yeah. for a long time. Well, so you were used to long-distance riding. Yes, but at a much slower pace. <laughs> of mules, we walk mostly. So, <laughs> the mules away. weren't into. Uh, no, they don't running across that. the step. <laughs> no. What's the top speed of a pack mule out in Wyoming? It's about three and a half miles an hour. <laughs> about a walk for anybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, is this Mongol Derby something you've always wanted to do? Yeah, you know, I've I've known about it for a very long time. I've had um, two former um, schoolmates of mine have competed in it, um, Brooke Wharton and um, Catherine Bechtel. And so I've known about it through them for a long time. It just seemed like it was, you know, I applied in 2019 and it was, I had little, little kids and it just seemed like a, a great thing to do to put something on the calendar for myself. All right, Devin, I'm going to let you start. Uh, do you want to describe a little bit about the end? We'll, we'll talk about the finish, and then you can ask your thousand questions. Um, I would I would much rather hear these guys sort of like paint the picture for us. So if you could, um, I know, just kind of give us a little bit of a brief kind of um, overview of how you went into the derby, um, what you were imagining and sort of like bring it up to like day five or so for us and just sort of like paint the picture if you wouldn't mind building. Oh, me first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, initially I was hoping to just kind of test myself and see if, if I can finish. And then I thought, okay, 
you know, at least try top 10. That's maybe something to aim for. So you didn't come off the starting line like, I'm going to win this thing. It sort of developed later. No, it developed later. Um, I think Deirdre had <laughs> basically when we met up, it, it started uh, looking possible. And then, you know, once it once it settled in that it's actually possible, uh, you kind of just keep going. But no, initially, I just wanted a good finish. And basically, I, I wasn't sure if I was fit enough uh, to do the full thing. So I was just hoping to just take it easy and stay in the front-ish pack. Um, and it all went okay. I got a big penalty on the second day at about station four. Uh, and one of the things I wanted to do was not get a vet penalty. So it was a bit of a, um, yeah, it, was, it wasn't great. So, uh, yeah, it gave me about two hours to sit and think about what the rest of the race uh, could be like. And it, it was actually, a, in hindsight, a good thing it happened. And what, then, what was that yeah. penalty for? It was for heart rate, so okay. it was a yeah. So it was a warm afternoon, the two o'clock uh, ride, and it was a slow uphill at the end, and I didn't take it slow enough. So the horse was fine, but yeah, it was. It took longer than thirty minutes to come down to fifty six, so I had to sit my two hours. Okay, and Deidre, you went in sort of guns blazing. I I did. I went in guns blazing and had a terrible first day oh no um, a really terrible first day that was quite demoralizing actually um another few riders and i took a risk on the first leg that turned out not to pay off it went over more elevation than we had anticipated um can i tell you how devastating that was having but been texting back and forth with you about like how to make navigational decisions and then i logged elevation. in like three hours later and y'all are gone somewhere off in the horizon i was just we went as the crow flies, but it was just not the right, it was not the right choice. It was not so the right we crow. Ended up, we ended up into horse station one, basically last, except for maybe the riders that came off in the creek and lost their horses. Um, and so that was not ideal. Um, I got another, I got a, you know, the last choice of horse on the line. Um, as a result for legs one to two stations, one to two. Um, I then proceeded to be making great time to station two and find myself in this trench that was near a coal mine that was actually ended up being a circle. So I entered it where there was a good crossing and I made my way across the field. And then I came to the trench on the other side and there was no way to cross it. So I went up to the road and I followed it and followed it. And it was actually one enormous circle that took me about four kilometers. To you might out. be the first one in Mongol Derby history to get stuck in a coal mine. You know, <laughs> I wasn't. Oh. <laughs> I wasn't the only one. No, I also, I, I, I just didn't go actually into the mine, Deirdre. I just <laughs> stuck around the side the wrong way around, then had to turn around in town and go all the way back, uh, at least wave to everyone say, don't do this the wrong way. Go the other way. That's exactly um, what I did to some riders that were behind me. I was amazed that there was anybody behind me. Um, <laughs> warned, but there were. And so I warned some folks and I got out of that. And I came into Horse Station 2 at the very end of riding hours um, on day one. And most of the field was there, astonishingly. Um, and so I felt like... I had really kind of shot myself in the foot that first day and I was quite demoralized. But then at the end of the day, I ended up kind of back with the pack. Um, so that was, 
there was only about, there was about 10 riders that had ridden out of station two. Um, and so, um, yeah, I felt like I was kind of back in it after that first day, which was horrible. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a really great picture of you and Vilamine and Tiffany who are all riding together and they, you, you know, you're like pointing off into the saddle and sort of like guiding the trio. So, and the caption was that you were acting as their sat nav, essentially. They were calling you their sat nav. So obviously in between day one and day five, you really got your shit together and figured it out. <laughs> yeah. Day after, after the first leg, I navigated completely on my own. I did not, um, I didn't, it was not a, it was not a group effort. Um, on my part, I was gonna, I was gonna make my own choices. If other people wanted to come, that was great. But if, but I was, I stayed up that whole first night kind of thinking about the mistake that I made by kind of not quite trusting my gut all the way. Um, and so from then on, I made all my own choices. Um, so. Okay. And Phil, I mean, you think they were pretty good choices from that point? Oh, br brilliant. <laughs> at what point said, now? We were talking about Tiffany, who's a vet here in Ocala, actually the vet at the farm where we have our horses. So um, so we know uh, Tiffany, right? When did the three of you become the three, you know, musketeers? What day was that? Um, it I can't remember what. It must have been day five. Um, yeah. I think it was. Wow. She called up to us at some point. Um yeah station 12 13 maybe yeah i think we rode into we rode into 14 or 15 together and then we were together for the next three days or so yeah. all the way all the way to 27 which is unfortunate when she had to sit her um the lameness penalty that she had now, I will tell you, Deidre, about day five, Eric uh, messages Devin and I all the time because we were doing shows during this. And uh, he said, the one you got to watch is Deidre. She came from dead last and she's going to she has a chance of winning this thing. Um, so he had you pegged about day five. Well, that's nice to hear. Uh, <laughs> that's, when it, that's when it began to feel kind of possible. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Devin? How did your how did you guys kind of like handle the fatigue? Did you have a worse day? Station eleven. <laughs> station eleven. Okay, tell us about station yeah. eleven. Oh yeah. Deirdre. <laughs> I have a picture of Deirdre on, the, on day, day eleven or station eleven. No, it was just it was a horrid warm afternoon. It's in this was it like a river bank we were riding in. Uh, and we had, we kept wondering if we should just go back and find other horses and just go. And I told her the only other horses I saw were the ones we came in on. That was nice. So I'm sure. So, yeah. So we stuck through it. And as we went, we saw no one catching up to us. So we assumed maybe this was just it. They just were not the fastest. They looked like little riding school ponies, but the animals around there didn't look great either. So we assumed it's maybe just. Were they about as wide as they were tall? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was our that was our hard, you know, I kept waiting for a really down day mentally and it didn't really ever, it didn't really ever come, but we had that 11 to 12 was a really kind of a, a low, that was our low bar. Um, and we compared everything against it going forward. <laughs> yeah. So you say <laughs> that's where fine. you hit the wall and had to come out the other side was that about that point. 
yeah, I guess, you know, it was just a, that was just a hard leg to get through. It was, it was frustrating and hot and slow. And we were kind of within striking distance, it felt like. And so it was, um, and it had been a lovely, cool morning, you know, and rainy that morning. And so we were kind of energized and then we just hit this, we just hit this wall with that leg. But everything got better after that. So you say striking distance, you're talking about Chris and Patrick. There was a whole big group of guy, people, men and women up front um, for, for the majority of the race. It seemed like, um, you know, Chris and Patrick and Howie and Tyler and Sam and Annie. Um, there was a lot of, there was a big group that really stayed in the front for the majority of the race. Um, and that was the day that we kind of actually saw them in person again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you you caught up to them sort of kind of around the mid pack, the the midway point, maybe station fifteen or so. We caught up to them mostly about um, twelve, I think. We rode into, and many of them were there sitting penalties. Okay, we rode okay. out twelve to camp that night. Did you get any penalties, Cedra? And well, I mean, you only had one, right? Just the one. I I didn't get I didn't get any, which was I'm feel really proud of and feel like is kind of the only thing that really made it possible. Cool. Well, so, so I have a quick question. Do they let you guys know, do you know where the leaders are? So you pull into a station, do they tell you where they are? No. Okay. No, we don't have any sort of information except for the sign out sheet from that station. You can look and see when somebody signed out of that station to get kind of an idea, but then you have no idea what's happened beyond that. Gotcha. Yeah, you have no idea who's behind you or how far. As soon as you've signed out, I mean, you either see them on the hill uh, coming in or you have no idea uh, where the next group is uh, behind you. It wasn't until the last day, though. Um, that, and, uh, we did a little story about this. We did a dramatic reading of a story about your last day, which I will send to you guys so you can hear it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, that, I mean, it all came together on the last day, really. And had you just, what, what point did you decide to go in together that if we're going to win this thing, we're going to do it together? Did, was that a conscious decision or something that happened at the end? It was... It was something that I think that I think we never talked about because we never had to. And then at the finish line, of course, we were going to go across together. We were betting whether the boys would go across together or not, or whether they would race to the end at the very end, because they'd been together for so long. Uh, so we were actually taking wagers on whether they'd come across together. And then, and then they did after you guys, because... <laughs> Yeah, respect. That's a that's a good thing or or a big thing to do. Uh, it was easy for us, uh, you know. Like you said, it was kind of just it was an unconscious. We didn't speak a lot actually. We just kept <laughs> keeping positive, <laughs> just trying to look forward to the next stop. Um, so yeah, I'm glad they did it. it it's um, good spirit. So, but there was never a point where you thought maybe I'm gonna I'm gonna run for it. There, that never <laughs> that never crossed no, anyone's it, mind. It's good it you weren't riding with Devin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've been a bit more cautious, but. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, no, they actually asked us that question on a written thing as well. And I said, that's quite a rude thing to ask. Is they actually, yeah, no, we didn't even think about it. I think. <laughs> uh, 
yeah too much but, blood sweat and tears together uh, yeah <laughs> yeah it never even it never even crossed our mind it would be a different way so you were if i remember right you were at station 26 when you headed out ahead of the guys it was 26 or 27 i forget uh, 27 27, I think. 27. Yeah. so you headed out ahead of them is that really the first time that dawned on you that if we don't mess this up we can win this thing is that when it really set in yeah yeah and we didn't want to talk about it we kind of looked at oh, each other we didn't actually said, say a word <laughs> don't even don't, word. Think it, don't say it just keep riding how important was the selection of those ponies though yeah how did you guys select your final horses well, the, the very last station we didn't select. Um, Deirdre asked the herder to, he, this, all the horses at the station were his, uh, and he, I think, was quite known for having good Nadam horses. So Deirdre asked one of the interpreters to ask him to pick the horses for us, which was quite nice. He gave us good ones. Um, yeah, and the others, we just basically selected, tried to look for the best they were. Deidre, what did you say to the the herder? Like when you were asking for him to pick horses, what did you say you wanted? We just said that we would be we'd be honored to finish this race on their best horses. Okay, okay. Oh, she played the pride card. <laughs> <laughs> she knows how to get what she wants. It worked. <laughs> but that worked. Willamine really picked most of our horses for most of all all the stations. Um, she would, she's got a great eye and would walk up and down the line and say, I think these ones are, these ones are the ones that we want. And it really never, it really never failed. You know, we, we tried to find horses that would fit together, just keep up with each other. And I think in the end we were quite, yeah, it was okay. Except for station 11, <laughs> but everyone uh, else was fine. <laughs> Uh, Deidre will be back in a second. Her computer was dying, so she's uh, dealing with uh, getting that uh, taken care of. So, Wilhelmine, we'll start with you. What surprised you the most? Um, well, if it's physically surprised, it's just how well my body coped. I kept. I, I kind of knew mentally. I think I could pull it, pull it off, or at least finish uh, where I kind of wanted to be. But I was very worried about physically how it's going to go. Um, I've never, even in training, done more than 80 kilometers in a day. Um, and usually on very com on a very comfortable long-distance horse. So it wasn't very hard work on my side, even doing the 80s. So to be able to do almost double that and be fine, it's actually amazing. I was very surprised. So you got away with no uh, no injuries or of any kind? I don't know if I should say it out loud, but no, nothing. Not even chafing. Wow. <laughs> so so I, I don't know. That was she really has alligator skin, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think it might be. But no, that was it was a good surprise, at least. Deidre, what surprised you the most? By the way, if anybody watching live has questions, just post them in the comments below and we'll ask them. Um, I, you know, I, kind of, two things struck me. Um, one was the same as Willamine's. I felt like my body held up really, really well, much, much better than I would have anticipated. Um, and then the second thing was just how quickly it was over while every day felt very long. Um, 
you know, it, the days went slow, but they went by fast. And then all of a sudden it was over. It was really, it was really surprising at the end to look back and think about how far we had come, but how quickly it had gone by. Any injuries for you? None. I'm in the same boat as well. I mean, not, not even chafing. <laughs> not even a chafe. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we were <laughs> we were very very happy. Wow. Yeah. Okay, we do have a question from Alicia who wants to know um, if you like what your favorite thing was that you brought with you as far as gear or tack went. If you could just pick like one piece of kit that you really loved. Apparently they're breaches because there was no chafing. <laughs> I can't believe it. Like, I feel like you yeah. guys have to go back. Like you didn't get the full experience. <laughs> no, we, we did all I the things. We did. So did else. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the breaches was good for me. Um, I was happy with my backpack. Uh, I saw some chafes on some of the other girls, and I was very happy to not get any you can plug brands by the way if if your breaches you got no chafings give the brand because we need to know (laughs) carrots i i rode in carrots there you go okay um i you know i rode i had two layers on and my bottom layer was um they're called knickers they're actually made by a friend of mine here in wyoming um and they have you know they have no seams down the inside and they were they were great. I was so thrilled that I had them. I tried one day without them and put them right back on. <laughs> okay. We'll put that link somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we had another question from a listener. What did training look like for each of you leading up to the Derby? Did you? Oh, for me, it looked like a lot of different things. You know, it's really snowy where we live. And so riding in the winter is very, um, is hard to do. I can ride in the arena about once a week. Um, and I trailer to the rodeo grounds, but other than that, I was, it was basically focused on overall general fitness. So strength training in the gym, skiing a lot, hiking a lot, riding the Peloton, um, just kind of overall general fitness. And Villamina, I think we kind of answered that earlier, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty much. I want to know how you got your stomachs prepared for what you were in for at at the Mongol Derby. Did you eat a lot of lamb and goat or, you know, ahead of time? Mare's milk? You know, how did you prepare? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean, mean milk. Yeah. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, I'm in South Africa. We eat everything. So actually, actually, the food there was pretty much better than some of the stuff I usually eat. Yeah. So I was fine. Um, I also didn't, I didn't train much for that. You know, I, I took some probiotics and stuff like that, but I eat a diet that is fairly heavy in meat and dairy and carbs anyway. We, but we eat a lot of game. Um, we eat elk and deer that we've hunted ourselves. And so, um, yeah, but I actually, I thought the food, I was surprised. I'd heard, you know, stories about the food, but I was, I was pleasantly surprised by it. It was good. They were not throwing up off their saddle like Devin was in the film. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least no one was there to film us. Uh, <laughs> if we did. <laughs> Lucky ducks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> okay. So, um, what was, well, I mean, what was your favorite part of the Derby? Is there like a, a moment that just sticks out for you? Or that is something like that you'll never forget? Well, obviously the finish was amazing. I, I literally, I think even until the vet check, we didn't 
really think about it happening or this is, you know, it's actually, this is us doing it. But uh, there were loads of moments. Sometimes some of those horses, they are just unbelievably uh, spirited and fast. And there were some choppy ones, but then you get the next one that's almost as smooth as my horse at home. And then you just think I could take this one home. Um, so yeah, the horses was, it was exceptional. It, it was such a, yeah, they're spirited and they're wild, but on the same breath, they let you ride them at whatever breakneck speed they can get out of you uh, and still try and get you to the next point without losing you. So it, was, it was some of the best moments. Yeah. Deirdre, for yes. you? Um, yeah, I mean, I think... I'd echo almost exactly the same sentiment, which is that I think the horses were, I was just astounded by the horses. The range was really, was really fun. Every horse was similar in certain ways and dissimilar when you got on and you, I really just, I really enjoyed kind of figuring each horse out um, and their, their willingness and ability to cover that country um, and do so in a way that is like, that is very self-preserving. Um, you know, I had horses jumping out of the wave of holes and, you know, really just doing an incredible job covering the country. Um, it was just, it was, it was really a wonderful experience. Willingly entering a coal mine, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> that crossing was legit. There were horses there. There were tracks across it. Animals have been on there. <laughs> <laughs> but did they come out? <laughs> yeah, they were working the mines, but it was okay. <laughs> You could have gotten a job right here. There. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Devin? Okay, I, I have to ask because I ask everybody, would you do it again? Mm, I don't think we can do better than we did. I wouldn't do it alone anyway. If Deirdre goes, maybe. But, um, uh, yeah. I would go with you maybe. again. I would, need, I would need a break and then I might yeah, do yeah. it. And then I might do it again. Yeah. Um, but I'd also, but the same, you know, it was such a, it was such a perfect experience really. And to come out, to come out unscathed first and then to come out yeah. as winners. I don't know that I would, I don't know that I would test my luck again. Um, it just couldn't have been, it couldn't have dreamed it better. One of the things we learned in this one is how important those vet penalties are, right? I mean, really, that, you know, <laughs> you, uh, the boys had them. They had to sit out while you guys rode off. I mean, it really, and even Tiffany, let's give Tiffany some love. Tiffany rode with you for days. Yeah. And she, the only reason she you didn't cross three of you to win the race was because she had a vet penalty of two hours she had to take. Those vet yeah. penalties, just like in regular endurance, right, Devin? They're critical. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, was there... I know that leaving Tiffany must have been really difficult at that time, having ridden in so many miles with her. She, I'm guessing that she wanted y'all to get out of there, huh? Yeah, I think there. Yeah, there wasn't. Um, that was a hard. That was a hard moment to to do that. We'd ridden together for three days. We'd camped out mm -hmm. together. Um, we'd had we'd had great horses and not great horses together. It was, yeah, that was hard. Um, but yeah, there was not. I don't think there was a question that that's what, you know, that we were going to keep going. Yeah. The, you know, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> so I said, no, that's what's basically what we get saying 
the whole time is the penalties. If we just keep pushing, somewhere the pressure will, well, not hopefully make someone or have someone make a mistake, but pressure is, is usually gets to a point where it boils over. So we try to just ride our own race, not think about who's in front or behind, and just make sure we go as fast as we can without getting the horses in trouble. So it paid off. It was slow and it, yeah, probably not as much fun as it could have been chasing over the steps uh, at breakneck speed. But, uh, yeah, we just basically focused on, on doing our own thing. Sounds like you guys, well, obviously you ran a smart race, but it sounds like you really kept it in perspective while you were out there to try to strategically place yourselves in a good position. So that's awesome. Yeah, we did try to go kind of slow and steady as we could. And then, you know, just to keep ourselves within within the distance, you know, up, up with the front runners. Um, but also understanding that if, you know, that if something didn't go our way or get an opening, then you know, we weren't, we weren't riding at a pace that was, that was likely going to win it otherwise. So what about the people you met? What about the, the Mongol people that you met? Tell us about that. What was your experience that way culturally? Oh, we had some great, we had great nights camping out. We camped out most of the nights. We could not, we could not get on a cycle where we could end the day at a station close to seven o'clock. We always seemed to ride in at like 5.45 or 6 o'clock, and we had to use all of our hours, so we kept going. Um, but, but what that meant was that we had a lot of really wonderful experiences staying the night with, you know, with families on the step. Um, and we had a lot of, we had kind of a wide range of experiences, and um, all of them, all of them great. Well, that's good. Yeah. So no, uh, no bad experiences staying out? No, we we had we came into a party uh, one night. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> left when we got there. We thought, oh, this is brilliant. We've got the whole go to ourselves. But then they came back at like two o'clock, uh, <laughs> and they were churning milk, and, <laughs> and we just closed up and said, okay, it's fine. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll sleep through this. We were tired, luckily, anyway. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was the only fun uh, experience but no the families it's unbelievable uh, that they just open their house to you you're these random strangers in whatever strange clothing and you're not only just looking for a place for yourself or you, you're stuck with a horse uh, that needs care so but no one not even blinked an eye and said no they just welcome you in immediately and make space they even often they would take some of the children or some of the family members to a neighboring girl just to make space uh, for for us to stay so well i can't imagine that happening here huh <laughs> Not in South Africa. Uh-uh. <laughs> no chance. <laughs> so, no, it was very, uh, yeah, it was, it was very cool. I just wanted to give a last chance for live uh, viewers to post any questions that you have for the winners of the Mongol Derby this year. Do you guys have anybody that you know that's going in round two starting in two days that we should watch out for? Do you know any of them? No? I do. Okay. Rochelle Latka. Watch out okay, for her. She's another girl from Wyoming. Um, she worked on a ranch close to us for many years. Um, she actually raced in the Gaucho Derby this last February um, and did very, very well. And she is a, she is tough. She's, she, and she's an excellent rider. So keep What's your eyes What's her name out. again? Rochelle Latka. Latka. Okay. Yeah. Keep an eye out for her. She's got on, she's got on her chinks. So she's <laughs> trying to ride in her chinks. I hope the, I hope the ponies are okay with it. 
<laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> like, do they have like a fringe? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. She's going to ride in the test days and see how it goes and then adjust if need be. It could be very fast rides. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she keeps them. Yeah. And it'll be good fun. <laughs> Devin, do you have anybody that you know that's riding in this round two? I do. I have Abby Bell, who's a um, a repeat derbyist going back for her second try. And then a couple other various friends that have just sort of uh, either talked to me for advice or I have them on Facebook and I've been sort of rooting for them. So I'm, I'm excited to do this all again in three days. <laughs> Well, we're going to try, actually, and do another one. I'm going to be on the road. We have three weeks on the road. We're going to be going out to do episode 3000 of Horses in the Morning. We're the longest-running daily podcast in the world. So I'm going to go out to Jamie's in Oklahoma, and we're going to do the show together at her farm. So um, uh, I'll, I'll try and catch up with you, Devin, and we'll, we'll just do it from the RV. Uh, we'll yeah. Do it on the road. I, well, you guys, congratulations again. Uh, what a what exciting and that everybody was following around the world. Uh, you know, I know, I know you, you didn't see us all rooting, but we were. <laughs> it was so, it was so exciting because we had been watching the boys just leading the whole time, right? So we'd been watching leading and leading and leading for days, and it was like, oh, nobody's going to catch them. And then all of a sudden, right at the end, you guys popped up. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Deidre got her navigational shit together while yeah. she was picking great horses. She was, Everyone was excellent. going for it. Yeah. <laughs> there was no chafing, so all that worked out well. No. Yeah. So, so as Mongol Derby winners, um, everyone and their mother is going to be asking you this question from here on out. But I do want to give you guys, like, you know, the first chance to answer this. What would your advice be for somebody who wants to do the Derby? What is like the number one thing that you would say to someone if they came up to you and said, I, I want to do the Mongol Derby? Prepare. <laughs> Train hard. Yeah. That's what, I mean, I think that we both, we both trained hard and worked hard and our bodies came out great on the other end. And um, I think it is absolutely doable with a lot of, preparation yeah and, and test your gear don't don't underestimate how important it is to test it and test it and do long days on it and make sure it still works test your gear definitely Deidre, would you say that the overall training you did would you recommend that somebody ride a lot or do do some overall training do the weights and do the running and do all of that um i think I think there's a happy medium, you know, I still, despite all, you know, doing all those other things, I still was riding a lot. Um, and I did do some very lot. I did a couple of, you know, training rides with Stevie Delahunt, um, that, which is where I got to test my gear, which was extraordinarily helpful. Um, but I think that there's a, there's a happy medium and I wouldn't get down on yourself if you don't have access to be riding, you know, constantly or riding really long days or don't have access to endurance horses, I'm no endurance rider. So I think that you can make up for a lot of, you know, saddle time with, with time in the gym. Got it. Very good. Well, congratulations, both of you. I know it's getting late over there in South Africa. So we're going to say good night to you and to both of you. Thank you so much. Devin, thanks again for joining me today. Yeah, absolutely. And congratulations, guys. You, you earned it. You put up a heck of a fight. It was a hell of a ride and it was awesome watching. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.
And it sounds like we're not going to be seeing him again anytime soon from what their answers were earlier in the show. Oh, that's, that's a great question right before we sign off. What's next for you guys? What do you have on the horizon? Well, Deirdre, I just entered a 38-kilometer run at the end of November. So you need to find something. <laughs> you have to go to sad. South Africa, apparently. What's <laughs> come doing with me? It's a navigational run, actually. <laughs> Perfect. I don't run. I need you. <laughs> There's lots of mines in Africa, too, from what I hear. So <laughs> we'll feel right at home. We can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. <laughs> Well, I don't, I don't have anything. I don't have anything there yet. The Gaucho Derby really intrigues me. Um, the riding is very similar, I think, to what we do here. And so, um, and the camping piece of it, that, that intrigues me. So we'll, we'll see. And who knows from what we see on the website, it looks like there's going to be one in North America here at some point in the next couple of years. So who knows? There could be more great, nice and close to home. And I bet you it's going to be somewhere near Wyoming, so you could, you could, you could just drive over and go. You'll be good oh, to go. Yeah. That, would be, that would be much easier than flying all the way to Mongolia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you all. Appreciate it. Thanks, Devin. Well, thank you for joining me on this episode of the Stable Scoop Show. We hope you enjoyed it. We will be getting back to the roundtable here in the next episode and have a roundtable brought to you by American Horse Publications. Also tune in to Horses in the Morning on the 17th of August as we celebrate our 3,000th episode. Jennifer and I are making our way to Oklahoma to be with Jamie during the 3,000th episode. We have a lot of messages from listeners, and we're just going to reminisce on uh, the past 12 years of Horses in the Morning. Thank you for joining me. You can catch all the shows in the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. We have 21 of them now, so stop by there. Thank you to Kevin Equine for supporting us in our endeavor here at the Stable Scoop Show. Happy scooping, everybody. Mm-hmm.